So we are continuing with our series, Encounters with Jesus Christ. Again, I'm going to remind you, when you read God's word, read it with an open mind and an open heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you what he wants to say to you. The Bible is the only book that you read while the author is present with you. And so as you read it, you need to hear it as well. Because okay. he is speaking. And therefore we must stop coming to God's word with our preconceived ideas. Our preconceived notions. Let us, let us be free before the Lord and allow him to speak to us the way he wants. He knows us and he knows what he wants us to hear. And uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, I met several uh, people that have been invited for the first time. You are welcome. In fact, okay. <laughs> in fact, we can make that seat, that chair that you are sitting on, yours. <laughs> we can put your name on it so that next time you come, you will find it reserved for you. That's just one way of saying that we are so glad you are here. And we are looking forward into knowing more about you. And to allow you to know us. So, okay. Turn with me to John chapter 4. And again, if you are joining us for the first time, let me make this clear. Here at Southside Bible Fellowship... We believe that since the Bible is God's word, and each one of us who has believed in Jesus is a child of God, say it with me. The Bible is God's word for us. Father, we thank you. We acknowledge your presence. We pray that your Holy Spirit may speak to us. And we pray that your word may accomplish what you intend to accomplish through it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 4 presents us a familiar account. The account of the Samaritan woman with Jesus. We have heard about it. Some of us have read about it so many times. So this, for some of you, this is just a reminder. For some of us who are not familiar with our Bibles, it may be a fresh story. So I'm just going to walk through it uh, with you as you read in your Bible so that you don't say that was Pastor Valerian's Bible, right? Read it in your Bible as well. Jesus has had a tough day. He 
is heading to Galilee with his disciples, but he decides to go through Samaria. And he is tired. In his human form, he is exhausted. And so he decides to, to take a break while his disciples go to McDonald's to buy some food. While he's sitting there beside a well, a woman, <laughs> a woman appears and she's coming to fetch water and Jesus can tell that she's a Samaritan because he is in Samaria. And this woman can tell that Jesus is a Jew because of the way he's dressed, maybe because of his appearance. The woman ignores Jesus. Do you know why? Because Samaritans and Jews, there was animosity between the two. Racial animosity and religious animosity. And even Jesus being a man, he's not supposed to speak to a woman anyway, especially a Samaritan woman. And so this woman does not expect anything from Jesus. And she does not want to create any appearance that shows that she's interested in him. So she ignores him. And Jesus, I think he was looking at her, and he could see her ignoring him. And then he says in verse 7, will you give me a drink? He initiates the conversation. Jesus understands all the barriers that exist, but he initiates the conversation. Jesus is not thirsty here. It's the woman who is thirsty. Jesus is interested in her soul. Give me water to drink. The Samaritan woman looks at Jesus and she says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Not just a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? So she's looking at Jesus and she's saying to Jesus, you're not supposed to do this. It's not acceptable. And Jesus answers her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus 
Jesus is telling her here that you are the one who doesn't understand what is going on. If you knew who is asking you for water, you will be the one asking. Jesus is telling her, I'm, I'm not interested in water. I'm giving you an opportunity for something better. He is inviting her to ask. The Samaritan woman says in verse 11, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? So Jesus is pointing her to him. She is still focused on the water. And Jesus answers. It, it's a, a very good conversation going on here. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Hmm. What kind of water is this? Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Ah, Jesus is expounding now. This living water, you're going to have a, a continuous supply of it. And this woman looks at Jesus. Sir, she says, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now you should remember that this is happening at noon when the sun is overhead, when everyone else is doing business and in the marketplaces, and no one comes to draw water at noon. But this was the right time for this woman because of what we are going to see here. Jesus tells her, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. It's getting personal now. I have no husband. That's why she came at noontime to draw water. And Jesus says, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Jesus is agreeing with her. Oh yes, you don't have a husband because of the lifestyle that you are living. You've had many husbands and even the one you have is not your husband. But you've been truthful. She 
is now open to Jesus. She's vulnerable. She is confessing her sin, her lifestyle before Jesus Christ. And now the conversation takes a different direction from here. It's no longer about water now. See, this woman is living a miserable and fulfilled life. She's looked down upon by her own people. She's despised. She's been disappointed in her life. She's had, she, she has been betrayed. Every relationship she's had has broken, leaving her with pain and unfulfillment, and she's looking for fulfillment. She's looking for the kind of relationship that only Jesus can provide. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. You see, every time we come before God, we open ourselves up. Because every time we come before him, he can see through us. He can see everything about us. Everything, including the evil thoughts that we have, including the decisions that we make, the lifestyle, even those things that we think are hidden to people, God can see them. And he still loves us. See, there are things in your life that if your friends knew about them, they would stay away from you. There are things in your life that if your neighbors knew about them, they would be talking about you. Some of us have neighbors who are already talking about us because of what they know. They know our lifestyles. Some of us are Christians, but because of where we are coming from, people are still talking about us. And when they look at us, they see our history. And some of us are tormented by our history, by our backgrounds, things that we've done in life. We are in Christ, but we are still tormented by that because the enemy will keep using it. He will keep reminding you where you are coming from. He will keep reminding you of the decisions, the choices, the bad choices that you have made. He will keep bringing to your mind the evil thoughts that you have entertained. The enemy is so good at reminding us. But uh, as a Christian, as a child of God, every time the enemy reminds you, you should turn to God and say, thank you, God, for taking me from there. Every time he reminds you of your lifestyle, your previous lifestyle, just turn to the Lord and say, oh, God, I see your power even more. 
Because I know where you've taken me from. Don't allow him to stop you from becoming whom God wants you to be because he's reminding you of where you are coming from. Hey, it's where you are coming from. It's not where you are going. Thank you, Tina. The woman says in verse 19, I can see that you are a prophet. You, you couldn't have known about me unless... You are a prophet. You, you are from God. That's what she's saying. And now she's becoming theological. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, woman, believe me. The time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So Jesus is talking about salvation here. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. Now listen to this part. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. See, the reality of worship is that God is seeking people to worship Him. The reason we evangelize, we share the gospel, is because of worship. God is seeking for people who will worship him in truth. That means in the way he has revealed himself and in spirit. That means we worship him with the deepest part of our lives. That means that the spirit is given us, connects with his spirit when we come before him. God wants us to know how wonderful he is and he wants us to love him. Worship is an expression of love. He wants us to adore him with everything. Everything. True worshipers. What God is seeking. When we tell people about Jesus Christ, we want them to know Him so that they can worship God, the true God. Because God created us to worship Him. And if you are not worshipping the true God, you are worshipping something. You will always 
worship something because you are created to worship. There is a desire in you to worship. And it should be our goal, every one of us, each one of us, to worship God. Because if we don't, we will worship something else or someone else. So the woman says to Jesus, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God is coming. We, we know about him and we are waiting for him. And she says in verse 25, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Here, she is revealing, even though her lifestyle is not pleasing to God, she is expecting a Messiah. And Jesus reveals himself to her. He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You see, if this was the American goat talent. <laughs> this would have been the golden buzzer. <laughs> this would have been the moment if this was a movie, this would have been da -da -dang. it's that moment that gets your attention when Jesus says, I that speak to you, I am he. What do you think happened here? This is <laughs> what can you do when, when the Lord appears to you? How are you going to respond to that? You see, Somebody thought about it and said, I can only imagine. I don't know if I'll be able to speak. I don't know if I'll fall down on my knees. I don't know if I'm going to jump up and down and dance. I don't know. And I, I don't know why John does this. Because I want to spend my time here. But then the disciples appear. <laughs> <laughs> they come back with, with food and they are looking at Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman and we are told none of them asked what do you want or why are you talking with her? None of them asked. They were amazed by what was going on. I think John is just using this here to give us a pause so we can allow Whatever is happening to continue in our mind. I am here. This woman had come to fetch water. She was avoiding people. She wanted to be alone. 
she had different priorities, different passions, different lifestyle. She encounters Jesus, and we are told in verse 28, she left her water jar there. She left it. Now we know what Jesus meant when he said, the water that I give to you will be satisfying. You will not fast again. She leaves her water jar and she runs back to her town. She goes back to the same people that she was avoiding. The same people that were talking about her, the same people that looked down on her, the same people that marginalized her, she's going back to them with a different message. She's changed. It's, it's just amazing. And, and you know... <laughs> Some of us are still allowing our past to control our present. And if you continue to do that, it will not only control your present, it will control your future as well. We just need to realize that Jesus has dealt with our past. And he is busy dealing with our future. In fact, as far as he is concerned, it is done. Already. Like we can start celebrating now. She went, she, she doesn't even know a lot about Jesus, you know. Now, this, listen to me, someone here, those of you who say, I really don't know what to tell people. You know, I, I, want, I want to share the gospel. I want to tell people about Jesus, but I, I really don't know what to tell them. You know, I didn't go to seminary. She had just one message. She said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Let's just come and see. She, she was sharing her testimony. This is her story. I have found a man who has told me everything about myself. I think he's the Christ. Come and see. She's no longer thinking about herself. She's thinking about Jesus and what he has done in her life. And that's what some of us need to do. Instead of thinking about yourself, where you are coming from, what you have done, you need to focus on Jesus and what he has done in your life. You need to remind yourself that I am forgiven. Amen. Let me tell you this. If you are still struggling with 
a sin that you have committed in your life, you committed in your life, keeps coming back. And you are a Christian. The problem has nothing to do with what you did. The problem is you haven't accepted God's forgiveness. There it is. Your struggle has nothing to do with the choices that you have made. Your struggle has everything to do with accepting what God has said and what he continues to say about you and what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's where your struggle is. You are struggling to accept his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance. Because God looks at you and he says, my son, my daughter. If you are a believer, God looks at you and he sees his own image. Do you know why? Because Christ is in you. All of us here before God, we look like Jesus Christ. We have that image. You know, in our culture, when you have children with many wives, those old women, they can tell. <laughs> they can tell whose child is whose child. They have a way of looking and they got that nose, that nose comes from that family. <laughs> that heel, that heel is not from our family. That one belongs to the family of so and so. You and I, because of Jesus Christ, we bear his image. God looks at you and he says, That nose is mine. <laughs> while the enemy is telling you a different story. He's telling you, you are unworthy. Do, do you remember this? Do you remember what you did there? Do you remember what you were thinking this morning? That's who you are. And God is looking at you and he's saying, I'm not finished with you yet. There's still, there's still more. So what we need is for us to begin seeing ourselves from God's perspective. Stop focusing on ourselves and start looking at Jesus. And every time you do that, you will have something to say about Jesus. She goes with one message, her testimony. And this is what happens. They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. The same people who are avoiding her are now listening to her. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him to eat. They knew that he had not eaten anything. So they come with whatever, whether it's pancakes or Burgers or 
And Jesus tells them, I have had food to eat. I have had food to eat that you know nothing about. They begin to wonder, did someone bring him food? Did the Samaritan woman give him food? And Jesus says, hey, my food, my recipe, that which satisfies me is to do the will of my father and to finish the work that he has given me. What is, what is it that satisfies you? Jesus is not saying here that we should not eat. That would not be good, especially today. But he's saying, above everything else, our desire has to be to do what God wants us to do. Above everything else, our desire has to be to do God's will. Brothers and sisters, when Christ comes in, in our lives, he brings transformation. It doesn't matter whether he came in yesterday. It doesn't matter if he comes in today. That change begins there. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's giving you that opportunity to turn to him today, to trust him with all your life, and he will forgive you and accept you. And guess what? He will start writing a new story for you. You've been writing your own story until now. And you are not a good writer. <laughs> You're not. You know it. Jesus is saying, let us start over. He's giving you that opportunity. If you are here and he, you have not yet confessed him as your savior. But for you that have believed in Jesus, please be reminded that he has dealt with your past. That now, you know, your story right now is the story of God. Because everything, everything you are going to say, if you believe in Jesus, God will be part of it. You, you, you still remember where you are coming from. But you know that it is God who took you from there. And you know where you are going because the Bible tells us. But you also know that it is God who is taking you there. Your story is now his story. And you may not know a lot about Jesus. You may not know uh, a lot of scriptures. But you can still share your story. Probably some of you are asking, okay, I hear this, Pastor V, so what's the message? The message here is simple. A changed life touches lives. 
a changed life touches lives. This, this is what you can have on your bumper sticker. You look at verse 39, and I'm finishing here. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. They were touched. He told me everything I ever did. That was the testimony. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. All this is an overflow of the changed Samaritan woman. Verse 42, they say to the woman, I love this part. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the savior of the world. The Samaritans were the first to declare that Jesus is the savior of the world. Because one marginalized miserable Samaritan woman encountered Jesus Christ. Just ask yourself this question. What is it that is stopping you? What is it that is stopping you from becoming the person God wants you to be? What is it that is quenching the fire that you should have for having encountered Jesus? It is my prayer that he will rekindle that fire today. That you will begin to make him your priority. That you will forsake everything that stops you from experiencing him afresh. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that we have spent together. There's so much that we can share, Lord. There's so much that we can do for your kingdom, for your glory. And Lord, you look at us and you know, you know the things and the thoughts in our lives that are stopping us. And we are praying right now, God, that you may break those barriers, that you may help us to focus on you, to allow you to continue transforming us, to allow you to use us to touch others, not for our glory, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.